0: Having meetings and so forth. So, but the retreat really is a never-ending one, if you if you really understand Nama, because you you're always bringing your attention to the way things are. So the way it is this time is the kind of conditions of saying back to retreat. Sounds like military command, doesn't it? <laughs> and that this, if this gives us a suggestion to go back to silence and reflection to the breath to the sound of silence the nada uh, be aware of the feeling the sensitivity of the way things are then we we um, determined say, for this month of February uh, we we'd already determined, those of us here at Amaravati at the beginning of this retreat in January, that we would whatever happened whatever happens during these two months, January February, is part of the retreat Well, how peaceful tranquil, harmonious how disruptive how fraught with disturbance and so forth, that it's all, it's all we've accepted the whole lot, the, all the possibilities, the whole potential for experience at the very beginning. So that we're not going to feel angry or annoyed by anything that happens if it doesn't exactly suit what we want, we, can, we see it as Dhamma rather than that which is interfering with our practice. So psychologically, it's pointing to the ability of our thinking mind to, to contemplate how, how to accept life and the way things are by understanding that the potential uh, for from, from the best to the worst, from heaven to hell, is ever-present in any moment. <clears throat> so we're not requesting or demanding special privileges or or anything or expecting anything that everything to go just the way we'd like it to we've already accepted the possibility of of it going exactly the way we don't want it to go now our intention is towards what morality Keeping the moral precepts towards restraint, towards uh, c- uh, respect for the rights of others, uh, and and being trying to be uh, sensitive and careful and caring in that to the people around us. That's our intention. Our intention isn't to kind of to come here and disrupt and cause a lot of problems for everyone. At least that should not be our intention. Intention is always in the life of the samana is toward the good, to do good, refrain from doing the bad, to realize and purify the mind. So that's our that's our intention. But we also accept the the potential and the possibility of war, earthquake. Uh, nuclear explosion uh, from the worst possible things you can imagine to uh, a month just where everyone's in harmony, everybody's enlightened, uh, radiant auras, and the Messiah coming down and saving the world. But we know that life will be just the way it is, usually neither Either nuclear explosion nor the Messiah. Yesterday's meeting, emphasis on the on an attitude of a summoner, the holy life. How important that is to really see what 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 our intention is, in, in living in doing what we're doing, what that really takes—it's not a—it's—it's it, a—it's a—it's a total commitment to truth and to to living in the purest and most careful way. It's not a life to just take half-heartedly and do do it just part-time, it's not a hobby, is it? The life of the seminar, you can, it's not just something you do when you feel like it or or, or just part-time or if it's half-hearted you get half-hearted results. The pointing and the the, the concern for the attitude is important when yesterday, when I roared at the nuns. It wasn't through aversion, but to emphasize the real interest in presenting them with the best and most pure and finest of all possibilities for their spiritual development. wasn't that I want to dominate them more, or tell them what to do, or dismiss them, or anything. It's a real concern to try to present that which is the very best to offer all of you—the very best, the the true form of the holy life. Where we can water it down for people, like today, people don't want to hear things like that. Do they like to hear? Well, just. Follow your heart. Do what you want. Uh, Everybody just, just, uh, you know, it's all right, whatever you do. And we'll just make endless kind of attempts to appease and placate everybody's mood and not offend anyone, not disturb anyone's mind. Try to to make a, a nice, general, safe, bland mediocre holy life for you where nobody's ever going to be offended you won't have to give up anything you <laughs> won't have to sacrifice a thing you just get everything you want and you don't have to give up anything at all and you'll get enlightened and you'll get everything you want and life will just be uh you know fulfillment and, and uh, you become famous and uh, we, can, we can make it all very attractive in, in trying to, to give it worldly values make it into a worldly worldly position but the only way that a samana is of any use in a society is the, is the reflection of the world, is not the way that's what our that's what our appearance is all about, isn't it? It's not a worldly appearance. The shaven head. Like women shaving their head. That's a real statement to the world for women, isn't it? Because women spend so much time with their hair. <laughs> and that's important. I mean, men can get bald and you can... It's not so important for us to have... A lovely, coiffed hair. And make it. We can shave it off, and everybody accepts that as kind of masculine. But for women, of course, the hair is, is hair is very important. It's beautiful, attractive, and in the worldly values, and it's all very, very, very attractive. And, and so much money and time is spent on making it more attractive than it naturally is. There's some, Bart Grisolsky, one of my American friends, sent me this magazine called Self, an American magazine uh, that, uh, he thought the title of it was interesting, Self. It's a woman's magazine. Uh, Endless advertisements for hair rinses, dyes, cosmetics, uh, and pictures, beautiful photographs of women with, with eyelashes kind of curled and very long and, and uh, made-up faces and perfect apply, application of incredibly beautiful colors of lipstick and beautiful shades of purple and violet and blue for the eyelids, and, and you spend, women must spend just an enormous amount of time to, to be able to put all that on. What for? What is it about? It, it, it makes, it's a worldly, worldly thing, isn't it? To make oneself look very attractive and glamorous and beautiful. So the shaven head is a statement that the, That this is no longer what you represent or what you are inclining to, the shaven head is, is stating that this is this is not what you are uh, doing anymore, so it is a bit of a shock to people because we, some people very feel very upset, especially with shaven head headed women, because it 's not expected. It's not, it's not of value yet in our society, in European society, to represent something almost threatening and difficult to cope with. Because the European society wants women to, to be glamorous, alluring, rather than rejecting that, no longer going along with that. So that our appearance is very much a statement to the world that that our values are no longer worldly ones, but toward truth and and toward the immortal, toward the freedom and liberation from delusion. <clears throat> worldly values are the uh, values of attainment and. Acquisition, success and happiness and having a good time and pleasures, gratifications, praise, compliments, uh, romance, adventure, excitement, interesting things, interesting hobbies, interesting professions, interesting friends, fascination, scintillation, adventures, And because of that, that inclination, then there's always this dread and fear of, of boredom and, and failure, depression, rejection, ostracism, and all the, the negative side. But the holy life, you see, the, it's a choice. The holy life has to be chosen. We have to choose. It's not something ever, ever to be imposed on anyone. When the holy life is imposed, then it's a tyranny, and it becomes a tyrannical form of living. It's to force someone to m- keep moral precepts is, is a tyranny, isn't it? To just threaten them with punishments, and, and to force them to do good things, and, and to threaten them with, punish, with, uh, with punishment if they do bad, and it becomes a, a kind of tyranny, an oppression, on humanity, so the holy life is not is not to be imposed, but to it's to be it's something that we choose and we reflect on, we incline to. And all of us at this time, in this Buddhist strange Buddhist uh, system that we're involved in, this tradition uh, here in Britain. It's, it's, we're here because we choose to be here. None of us have been forced or obliged to become Buddhist monks or not. It's definitely our own decision to do this. So we're in a very good position, actually. So the values that we have are values that that are conducive towards mindfulness towards doing good and refraining from doing bad towards purity and this is to be content with with little to to um, learn how to to just live in a very simple and honest way and to to not uh, try to seek anything for yourself or to make demands or or try to to get anything or acquire achieve or attain the whole form and the, an the instruction the Buddha as as disciples and followers of the Buddha is such isn't it that we we uh, we just say live with say alms food robes shelter for the night medicine for illness our needs are, are very minimal our desires may be enormous we might have fantastic amount of desires, but our needs are 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 not very much. Human, we find we don't really need very much. We might have a lot of desires, but then this is what we want to see, what desire is. Desire and, and to understand it rather than not know the difference between what is needed and what, what we just don't need, but we want through desire. And therefore, say the four requisites as a, as a standard for reflection help us to, to get a perspective on what is necessary for survival and, and a proper way of living within the human state, within these bodies, within the society we're in, what is necessary, and, what, and then we can also, from that, we can be aware of, of just what we, what we want, what we desire, that isn't a need. And that takes takes mindfulness. You have to reflect and observe, not to tell you what you need and what you don't need and that you shouldn't have desires, but for you to be aware, awake to just what is necessary and what is just greed or habit. Now moral foundation is, is necessary because we all, we all have the same moral standard, the sila. If we say you have all moral equality, that is, is a necessity to have moral equality. Uh, The refuge, we all take refuge in the Buddha-dhamma-sangha and we all have the same moral standard. Then the the discipline itself, from eight precepts, ten precepts, to the uh, patimokkha restraint. But that is just the, uh, that is convention tradition that we use and so just the, the agreements on, on that alone are, and the relationships are to be reflected on and accepted and, and uh, considered when we, when we, we, as we observe our, our minds and the way we tend to react to it. But the actual moral standard is the same, refrain from killing, Dealing, intentional sexual uh, activity, from harsh um, speech and lying, and and drugs, addictive drugs and drink. And that is that is uh, the common ground of thila. Now in the worldly values, there's a lot of envy and competition we live in very competitive societies uh, and where we tend to uh, always want what somebody else has. We get jealous. It's a, it's, a, it's a society where we have a lot of jealousy and envy and is very much encouraged by our economic system keeping up with the Joneses, isn't it? I'm trying to arouse the fact that you, that, that feeling that because somebody else has something better than you, you should have the same or something better than they have. The idea of of competition, of trying to prove yourself uh, as somebody who's a winner or who's better than somebody else. Your worth as a person is very much dependent in comparison to, to other people. Isn't it? When we when our personalities are very much the result of of the view of me and mine and you and them when we let go of all that there's no person anymore there's nothing to compete there's no there's nobody to become but when the world begins, then of course there's this endless thing, there's this division of you and me and and I'm superior or inferior or the same as or you're, you're, you're better than I am or you're worse or you should be or you shouldn't be or I should be, I shouldn't be. It all gets very complicated. and We strive and struggle and fight and quarrel and compete and, and come together and separate and, and get jealous and envious and feel disappointed and despair. All these come from this this sense of a self and the self is always is a division of the mind which creates other selves me and, and you come into the world now when the world ends there's no me and you anymore, it's just the way things are I still see, one can still see uh, this being, this body's here and and you're over there, but it's no longer seen in, the, in, that, in that way of ignorance and self and comparison and envy and fear and jealousy and, and lust and greed. It's just seen as it is, it's this way. Sensory consciousness is like this. Sensory realm is this way. the retreat for the rest of this month to, to uh, resolve to make a resolution to practice to be silent not to seek not to distractions but to really be patient and open, receptive to the way things are. Learn to, to be just with the breathing of the body, or the way the body is. You can just contemplate the, the body, your own body, the way it is. What does it feel like? What is it like? Is this the it, what is the, what is, how much does it weigh? What does it feel like? And any sensations on it, in it, heat and cold, or this any tensions, you can, as you go to them, with an accepting, with an acceptance, uh, to bear with them, to, to accept it for what it is, rather than to, to uh, try to get rid of it, or change it, or ignore it. Uh, one thing that you... You, you contemplate is that the body itself is a totally sensitive condition. Every cell in it, everything about it is sensitive. It's a sensory body, it's sensitive. And because of that, it's going to feel it has this, the, the pleasure pain and neutral condition. The Vedana, whatever you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think. As the, this pleasure, attractiveness, unattractiveness, the neutral. So Vedana is, is a reflection of, of just the, the pleasure, the pain, the neutral, or the attractive, ugly, or neutral through the senses. The the mindfulness then is is no longer just reacting to the to the pleasure pain or uh, of the of the sense experience of the vedana but noticing it. Mindfulness is paying attention to the way it is. What is it? Let tra- me look at the shrine with all those beautiful flower arrangements. Uh, contemplate that through the eye that's attractive isn 't it mm. it attracts it's it's pleasing one likes to to look at it it draws your attention to the f- the beautiful colors of the flowers and the forms the attractive and the beautiful the pleasurable mm. if you start thinking oh i'll feel lust I see something attractive like that i want to i shouldn't I shouldn't uh, look at anything beautiful because I might try to possess it or feel greed or lust for it, and you can see a reaction or fear or an indulgence of just trying to f- distract yourself with beautiful things because they're attractive you can absorb into them quickly and you just go from one attractive pleasurable Vedana, uh, in a, condition to another just to be, because they they distract you. We're contemplating this like flowers. I used to contemplate, no, now, flowers are truly beautiful. If they're, if they're colors, and when, they're, when they're fresh like this, they have beautiful colors and shapes. Their forms are beautiful. Color is beautiful. They're truly beautiful. But yet the heedless and restless human being just glances and goes, is attracted. But how long can you sit there and just look at a flower, the most beautiful flower, without feeling restless and bored? So even beauty is boring, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you're a heedless person caught in the force of habit and desire, then even the most beautiful things are just distractions because if you if you if you if you concentrate on them you try to stay with with them uh, you get bored how long can you sit there and just look at the flowers without getting bored with them <clears throat> so that then even beauty itself is is uh, something that that it, say the heedless and restless person is always going to, to the next thing, isn't it? You can't, you can't truly enjoy or be with even the most beautiful flowers because you glance at them, you see them, and then, then you get bored. So you have to go to something else. You have to do something. You have to make something out of it. You have to entertain yourself with it. You have to create something or produce something onto it. But with mindfulness and reflection, you begin to see how that whole process w- operates so that you 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 determine in your mind to just be with it and accept it say the beauty as it is and just notice the tendency to want to make something more or to or if you or you can if you stay if you look at something beautiful long enough then you start seeing what's wrong with it you say, i don't oh I wish they'd Arranged it slightly differently, And why did they look at that? It's not one critical faculty can start get going once you've you've kind of looked at something long enough, and the initial attractiveness is, is has been uh, is over. Then the, then the criti- critical faculty starts. So just by reflecting on that, you begin to see the the, the realm of. Of samsara as just this endless, relentless, inexorable wandering, going from this to that, because nothing, nothing in the sensual realm is can really hold hold us. We just drift from one thing to another. So that's the rebirth of being reborn all the time, again and again, into, uh, from this from this thing to that thing this condition to that condition. When we contemplate what is unattractive or painful, ugly, like physical pain, or or what is, uh, say, the flowers when they're all kind of uh, wilted or, or rotting. Remember one time at Chitters we had, Some flowers that had been there for a long time, they were beginning to rot, the stems in the vase were beginning to stink. And I remember thinking, you know, these these flowers, beautiful flowers, once beautiful flowers, they stink. Our perception is flowers are fragrant and beautiful and then flowers can be stinking, too. A lily that festers. A lily that festers smells far worse than weeds. So, what is truly beautiful, like a lily, uh, can it be even that more repulsive, isn't it, than a weed when it starts festering? And of course, a festering lily is uh, ugly or repulsive, and we just get it out of here. But we can open to that, just to not not to as a kind of punishment or or uh, or ascetic austerity, but to contemplate this the repulsiveness of things, to what what is what is what is ugliness and repulsiveness. You're contemplating it, you have to open to it and accept it exactly as it is. Not make anything on about it, not, not exaggerate it or dismiss it or, or exalt it or anything whatsoever, but just begin to be with it, with what is repulsive or ugly as it is, accepting the ugliness, the pain, the repulsiveness, for it, exactly as it is. And that takes patience, doesn't it? We have to be patient because the general, the, the the tendency is, as soon as it gets ugly, painful, repulsive, to get rid of it. Just as the to when it's beautiful and attractive, to to go and go to it. So the restlessness of the human realm, of this sensory realm, is is this uh, of, of having these very sensitive formations that are continuously reacting to the pleasure and pain, the beauty and the ugliness of the sensory experience. And so the way out of suffering from it is not by refusing to see or smell or taste or touch or think or feel, but by totally opening opening up to everything and understanding it for what it is. That is what we call transcendence doesn't mean you, you, you fly up on the ceiling or, or go up into the clouds. It means that you no longer caught in the heedless reactions to the beautiful and the ugly, the pleasurable and the painful. You're now willing to accept the whole of it for what it is and not not demand that it be otherwise or be caught in endless kind of distractions and... Absorptions. Then neutrality. This is where we, 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 we don't notice neutrality. Say the truly kind of nutty, heedless human being is an extremist. Even, even say, ordinary, what we call the real world, in ordinary society, people tend to, to really only be awake and alert during extreme things. Is they say, waiting for the bus. They're not really conscious anymore. They're just kind of idling away. And, with, and, and if anything, like somebody starts a fight at the bus stop, then they're with it. <laughs> <laughs> or a punk comes by with with orange and pink hair. And kind of, but if everybody just, if there's nothing interesting. One is just waiting for the bus. And then you get on the bus. And then you're you not really on the bus with the bus, you, you're waiting to get off the bus. And then you're waiting to, when you get off the bus, then you're thinking about the, that you're going to the, to the shop. And then you're in the shop, you're thinking about what you've got to get, and then how are you going to get home. And, and it's always on to the next, the next thing, isn't it? The restless, Wandering mind, so you're not with anything really. Just something extreme happens, and then you It might bring you a moment of mindfulness, but other than that, you tend to just be caught in this drifting kind of realm of whirling about. So we go the restaurants, then to to film shows where they can get shocked, horrified, stimulated, you, you see melodramas, you can cry. You can have romance on the on the on the screen and the adventures, excitement, terror, sex, violence, all these things are 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 exciting, you know, extremes of excitement. And, and, and anger and hatred, violence war is terribly exciting we find men find fights very exciting. you feel if uh, you, you can really feel alive I and mean, I used to I, I've not been a particularly kind of fighter in my life but I remember in the Navy one time we were, we're having a five-day R and R, rest and recreation in Kobe, Japan. Ship pulled into Kobe, and, and uh, I was a medic on the ship. You see, so I was the first one off the ship for some reason. The first day, the first one off the ship, and I was, and I was really interested in Japan. I was, I always wanted to go to Japan, and I uh, I'd studied uh, Asian. Uh, studies in the university and I, I had, wasn't thinking of, ex, of exactly doing the, the things that most of the crew on a ship was thinking of. <laughs> but you see, the brothels in Kobe had made an arrangement for that. The, all the taxis were parked down on the dock. And so everyone that came off the ship, got into one of these taxis, they'd take you to a brothel. <laughs> So I ended up in a brothel. (laughs) I was the first one in this brothel. And And they, they, uh, and and it was a kind of, uh, they had the, a bar and a, a dance floor and There's a kind of nightclub brothel combination. Mm. (laughs) And they and all these hostesses were there. And suddenly within ten minutes, the place was filled with all the rest of the crew of my (laughs) ship. (laughs) And and they all started drinking, I thought, how I'm getting out of here. Because I knew what was going to happen. And the next night, I had the duty on the ship, and I spent the rest of the time in Kobe, patching up <laughs> the the sailors on, from my ship. Because one thing they used to do is they 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 go to these places, and if there was if there wasn't a British ship in port, or an Australian ship, <laughs> or a New Zealand ship, then and there or another American ship. Then they'd have fight among themselves. And somehow sailors like to fight, and they usually have fights with other ships. And then, and then if, if there were no other ships, and at this time there were no other ships, only our ship, and so they fought with themselves. And some of the things they do, broken bottles in one man remember, had gashes all over his face. And, he, and another man fell off the... The second story off a balcony (laughs) on his back. I think, why do people do that? That's a really
1: stupid
0: stupid thing to do, isn't it? (laughs) Because the first night I saw what was happening, I got out. Because I'm a chicken. I knew that was going to happen, so I got away. I don't want to have a bottle, broken bottle smashed into my face. But I noticed that a lot of these people really enjoyed that, and, and it is, is exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. and all that, all that whole scene of a brothel, drink, and violence is a, is a realm of, of excitement. Well, that's an extreme situation, isn't it? That's, that's and life gets pretty dull if, if you know if that's if that's the level of excitement you need to feel alive. <laughs> then life can most of life is going to be incredibly boring because those things are all, all on the extreme end. You always have to seek out these special places and the, and do. Extreme things to get this extreme excitement going. Now, you contrast, this to the holy life, where the, where the, uh, where we're forbidden to kill anything, or hit anyone, or, or or curse, or swear, or, or steal, or drink, or or have uh, promiscuous sex, or any sex at all. where Where all the extremes of any sort are are almost uh, are something that we can't indulge in intentionally do, then we live a life of uh, just watching the breath, the sound of silence, the way things are the the monotonous the monotone chanting the the, uh, the 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 vinaya discipline and the and the one meal practice and and all of that is is going toward the neutral toward the most ordinariness to the way things are as it generally is all the time In the way, way life most the waiting process we observe waiting rather than just wait for the bus and when we're waiting for the bell we become aware of this. This feeling of waiting for the bell to ring, rather than, than just be caught in restlessness. When's that damn bell going to ring? You can observe that that very mental state of uh, of anticipation, waiting for the bell, waiting for the bus. So that the ordinariness, the the way things are, is, as most of our life is going to be experienced, is 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 through is made conscious rather than unconscious. When we're mindful, then we're, we're bringing into consciousness the way things are. Neither man not making anything out of it, not trying to, to, to exalt or, or criticize or reject, but to reflect and observe, accept, notice, understand realize and develop. Now bringing one's attention then, paying attention or looking at the ordinary, like the breathing, inhalation, exhalation, to yeah, to really start contemplating what is Vedana, what is attractive, unattractive, just as we, we are sitting here as it is. We, we can contemplate the what uh, what the attractive forces are. They through the eye or the ear or the the nose or the tongue or the the body or thought. We can create images in our minds that are very attractive and exciting, and interesting, or we can create ones that are very repulsive. We don't tend to create kind of boring ones, do we? We just. We, we, we tend to get caught in boring mental states but we try to get out of them get rid of them this is where even your boring thoughts and, and boring old habits and uh, bad habits or just foolish things or trivialities or silliness and, and uh, mediocrity is to be seen for what it is and accepted as, as what, for what it is So when you're sitting here and you get bored or you have (coughs) foolish thoughts or just silliness, uh, same old boring silly thoughts going through your mind or whatever, rather than than reacting with aversion and suppression, you begin to just notice it. This This is the way it is, this is, this is, it's like this, it's impermanent and it's it's, uh, it's not you can it has no it's not self it's just what it is in the moment in this way you 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 begin to let go of of habitual behavior and abide in in the awakened mind the knowing the alertness wisdom and this is the the way out of suffering, transcendence of the world. Now in a, in a community like this, when we have uh, people, we can be very critical of each other, talking to somebody today saying, they think, he, this man thought that I was teaching, that that's the way it is. It's a kind of justification for a sloppy, heedless, and stupid behavior. They say, well, here at Amaravati, you know, people don't do, ev- they do everything all wrong and they don't do this and they don't do that. And and then when you complain about it and say, this is terrible, then, then the monks say, well, that's the way it is. <laughs> And that is uh, that that particular uh, view is uh, what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this is the way it is as saying that it should be this way. Or that I like it this way. you know, like with the cups, you know, I, I like to complain about the cups. Because of the chips, the broken handles, the total heedless disregard for the things given sometimes to the monasteries, even though that's the way it is, I don't like the way it is. Actually, I'm not saying that I like I, I like chipped cups and and sloppy, heedless behavior and and lack of concern or disrespect. But when that is present, then I'm willing to accept that as it is, not not hate or resent or or condemn. If I thought, oh, I'm fed up with this community that chipped cops, <laughs> then I'm suffering, aren't I, pretty miserable, and I start feeling resentment over carrying this around my mind. Every time I see uh, an Anagarika, I think, he's probably chipped a cup. So I become obsessed Everybody is a cup chipper. <laughs> but saying that's the way it is it's not is neither is not trying to just dismiss it either. But it's it's the ability to to be with the way it is, so often like being with the, with something ugly or unpleasant. It's not saying that I like what is ugly and unlikable and unlovable, but it means I'm not making problems about it. I'm not making anything out of it. It's just as it is. Now when we do this more and more, when there's mindfulness and wisdom, then the tendencies to do things poorly and badly and heedlessly fall away. Because we find that our attention and and, we put our interest into what we're doing. We're, we're with life as it's happening. We're with the waiting. When we're waiting for the bus, we're with the waiting. We're not just waiting. They're like dumb animals. Uh, When's that bus going to come? I'm tired of waiting. Buses in England, late. No, no, no. <laughs> but we can be with the waiting. We can be with the feeling, with the way things are. And when we're with, when there's a t- when there's mindfulness and wisdom, then, then we don't need distractions because life teaches us. We learn. We we're, we're open, receptive. And the tendencies to chip cups. Lessen. Uh, now, if I if I start, uh, say, talking about you know. Uh, making a big thing about chipping the cups, then everybody becomes more prone to chipping cups. They might get really heavy on that. But if I encourage mindfulness, try to encourage mindfulness, then, then not only the cups, but everything else is, is respected more and more. We learn, we, we develop. To live with the material world, with the, with the people, with the other beings on this planet in appropriate and suitable ways. Now, if I become very refined and specialized, then I only would choose to live with people that don't ever chip cups. How many would people would be here? If Why decide anybody that's ever chipped a cop has to leave? probably wouldn't be many left, and would have to sit here all alone. Well, I've chipped cops myself, actually. <laughs> This is so that it's it's not a, it's uh, not to try to 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 reject and and only attach to to the most kind of special and highly developed and evolved beings, but to give the opportunity for even the most heedless and and uh, foolish beings the opportunity to develop the path. In that we're not trying to, to just have a kind of elitist group of very special, very refined, highly intelligent, very skilled people here. But we we open the doors wide to allow for anyone who's willing to live within the limits and structure of monasticism, Buddhist monasticism the opportunity to develop and realize the path. That there might be uh, have all kinds of unpleasant habits and and so forth we're we're not we're not uh, if, if they're willing and sincere to live within the restraint then then they can live here we're willing we we're, we're, we're glad to have them and encourage them in ways of mindfulness wisdom where they can develop and, and not just have a a kind of utopian group of specialized, highly evolved and refined people that that become very exclusive So this retreat, the, the next, when is it? The Terras will, how many days will you be here? Monday. Till Monday. And this is Thursday. Thursday. The Terras will be meeting in the Uposata Hall. And uh, then I've asked Venerable Amro to, to uh, say for the rest of the daras dharas and the, and the other bhikkhus, just continue your practice. For the Nagarikas, I, I requested Venerable Amro to take charge, to give any instructions or encouragement, because some of you look like you're flagging. To give you an injection, adrenaline injection, encouragement kind of for the dragging Anagarikas, Anagarikas. But for the for the uh, other bhikkhus and the they then just practice like you have been but with the full intention of using the time, or your in the in the way that you find most helpful for your reflection and development and I'll take charge of the terrors
1: <laughs> yes.
0: yes we'll all meet together for that And Sister Rupala, you, you can just practice like you have been during the day. Yes, thank you very much. Uh-huh. It will be that way. Thank you.